The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and WadenaRadio.com. This is the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, the 24th of January. My name is CJ Baumgartner. Corey Tackman, my co-host on the MSD podcast today. And Corey, we got a a lot to talk about uh, locally here. Uh, uh, If you include St. Paul as local, which I will for the sake of today's episode. Uh, Yes, but from St. From St. Paul to Fargo to points in between, I think is the is well our first tagline, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go in between right now as we talk about uh, along Highway 10 from St. Paul to Fargo, about halfway, kind of, if you don't think about it that hard. Uh, Verndale and Wadena Deer Creek meet up in a boys' basketball matchup, a Park Region Conference matchup last night. I had that game on KWAD, and I talked with both coaches pregame, and Coach Thunberg said, hey, we want to go fast, we want to get in transition, we want to turn this into a little bit of a track meet here. And talking with Coach Greg Johnson before the game, you know, he said, I think our rebounding, he, he really needs that to be kind of a focal point in that game. He said he was, you know, if Wadena Deer Creek, which they love to play man-to-man, was going to play in man-to-man, he, he said actually feels pretty good. He feels like this team has gotten really, really good at getting their offense going in man-to-man. And he, I asked him before the game, I said, what's one of the things that you love most about this team that you have and what excites you? I think is, I said, what excites you about this team? And he said their energy and the fact that they get up every day and and they had two wins coming into this point in the season, but they get up for a rivalry game like this and they consider Wadena Deer Creek a rival. And, uh, you know, as a former Park Region Conference guy and somebody who played with some Verndale athletes, myself when I was in baseball uh, for Bertha Hewitt Verndale, those guys get up to play and they're competitors and they competed in that first half, having a lead for parts of it uh, 10 seconds before halftime Verndale had a lead, a two-point lead, a one-point lead with a free throw by the Wolverines. And then 28-27, they were in front. Peyton Church hits a NBA three at the buzzer. And then all of a sudden, Verndale's trailing at halftime. But they were getting the rebounding done. Carter White made a few threes in that first half, a few other timely shots by the Pirates. They also were able to get those offensive rebounds and get some putbacks and make it a little interesting going into halftime but then in that second half and this has been the story for the wolverines all season long they've been a defensive team coach tumberg has been very open about that and the fact that they're a second half team they really lock it in and i talked to coach tumberg about that pregame i said what has been kind of the secret to why your team plays really good defensively in the second half and he said you know we just adjust really well you know coming into a pregame we're looking at stopping x player and Y player decides to have a big game in response. So, okay, let's shift. Let's take out Y player now. And they've been able to do that successfully. They started off the second half, Corey, on a 15-2 to run. And from that point on, put the game away. So, overall, it was a fun night of basketball. Verndale kept it close. Uh, and the Wolverines now have won five in a row. They're 6-7-0 or seven and oh on their home floor for Wadena Deer Creek. Uh, it was overall a fun night of basketball uh, for the first half of the game. That second half of the game, a little more slanted towards the Wolverines. But I think both teams will walk away getting what they wanted to get out of that night. Yeah, good, fun rivalry game, like you mentioned. We don't have anything on our broadcast schedule tonight. It's Wednesday night. We rarely have anything on Wednesday nights. Uh, but the big news in the state, we don't want to focus on anything local uh, anymore because uh, our guy, your guy, my guy, everyone's guy. All our guys. 
Joe Maurer, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. It's great. I mean, so this is something that I just saw last night. Joe Maurer is the, here's your local connection. Joe Maurer is the first player taken number one overall to play for his hometown team. And I know it's the Minnesota Twins, but he's the first player to have played for his hometown team, being selected number one overall, play 15 plus seasons with that one team and go to the Hall of Fame. It's crazy. I mean, there there can't be that many of them that ever have had that situation. <laughs> no. So so the fact that for that everything to go right in exist, that story, yeah, for that entire situation to even exist in the first place is already a minor miracle. Um, he, it, I'm just so happy he made it. I know it was by the skin of his teeth. That doesn't matter because, by golly, he's in it. Um, we were chatting a little bit last night, as a matter of fact, kind of texting back and forth about. Hey, have you heard what it? What have you heard? And and sharing some stories. I'm sure you came across a lot of things. Just before you sent the video to me, I had, I just finished watching this really cool Max Scherzer story yes. that came out in relation to Joe Maurer. Uh, really kind of cool. I I like what I like about the Hall of Fame, uh, and what I like about now especially having to be one of my favorite players ever is the lore that exists around these guys these guys become myths you knew it existed but now you get to hear why it existed and i'll let you share it but max scherzer's story and kind of the the evolution of him becoming the dominant pitcher that he turned into was because he couldn't get joe mauer out yeah, so first of all, Max Scherzer is a guy who will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, Cy Young winner, multiple-time World Series winner now with the Nationals and with the Rangers. Uh, that guy is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer in his own right. And there's a story on MLB Network. They were getting ready, and you kind of knew that they were going to be, that Maurer was going to sneak in based on the way that they had Justin Morneau on, and he did a great bit talking about Joe Maurer. And then they had Tom Verducci, who's a big Sports Illustrated baseball writer, uh, obviously one of the Hall of Fame voters. He voted for Maurer. Uh, and he had this great story about Max Scherzer, who, again, one of the most dominant pitchers of the last 10 years in Major League Baseball. And he had to invent a new pitch. He had to add a cut fastball to his repertoire just to get Joe Maurer out, just to make sure that it would cut inside and Joe Maurer couldn't get his hands around on it. Joe Maurer had no idea it was coming. This was in 2014. So these guys have already faced each other for a, f a few years already, back when Scherzer was pitching for the Tigers, and they faced each other more often. But he had such a tough time getting Joe Maurer to strike out that he had to basically develop a cut fastball solely to get one specific hitter out, and that was Joseph Maurer. And it, that might have been a turning point in Scherzer's career that led him to become one of the most dominant pitchers of his generation. I just, it's, I love, I love the folklore, you know, the tall tale, the Bunyan esque, uh, Paul Bunyan esque stories mm -hmm. that start to exist, that start to come to light uh, about these, about these players. They're all things that we think we know, right? As baseball fans, whatever we think we know these things about Maurer, because we get to watch him every day. Right. Um, and, you know, you hear things kind of secondhand, like Dick Bramer will tell a story or 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 Burt Blylevin would tell a story. He'd relay kind of in code 
things he's heard from other people throughout the broadcast. Uh, the radio guys would do the same here. Yeah. All right. So for those listening on the audio version, our uh, internet stream is having some issues, but yeah. So here there's so many different things about Joe Maurer. And like you talked about Corey, it, it takes on this mythical status uh, with, uh, with everything. And I don't, there's no, maybe like specific Joe Maurer story that sticks in my mind. You know, there's obviously, uh, his final game. And I think his final game kind of takes his Joe Maurer's final game kind of takes over in the lore is, you know, he was able to get the double and you could see it in his eyes that he was hustling to second base. He wanted that extra base hit. He slid in safely. He got everything. He got to have his last moment as a catcher and take that one pitch. Uh, that's, I mean, obviously a highlight, but in terms of the prime of Joe Maurer's career, I mean, I, I'll remember a few different things. One is that time in 2006 when I, I just got into twins baseball. I was not like, I barely knew who the players were. I, you know, I knew what baseball was, but I wasn't, you know, as so 2006 is what got me fully onto the Minnesota twins and the success of that season. I remember hearing that last game of the season and everybody, people who didn't really follow baseball were talking like Joe Mowers. He's, he's got to get this many hits to get the batting title. And Hey, here's what Derek Jeter is doing in New York. Is he going to get the batting title? And I remember that race going on because Joe Maurer catcher never wins the batting title. This never happens. And, and that was a fun one. Uh, but 2009 is really when you got to see Joe Maurer's prowess get put on full display. I mean, that guy missed the first month of the season. And I remember watching that and it was a team that desperately needed Joe Maurer back and his very first at bat, he hits a home run. And I remember I was on a field trip. It was the fifth grade. Uh, I went down to the state Capitol. We were on our way back. And all I remember is my mom picking me up and getting home and turning on the twins game. Cause we got home at like maybe eight o'clock. So the game was probably about three, four innings in and everybody just couldn't stop talking about how Joe Maurer in his first at bat hit a home run. And it led to 28 more home runs that season and an MVP campaign for the ages. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's, those are kind of a few of them, but there's no like one iconic Joe Maurer moment. I mean, maybe you could say the diving play he had from Brett Gardner at Yankee stadium when he kind of punt faked Brett Gardner and sprinted to the plate and dove and got him out that there's the classic play of him at nationals park kind of off that stone in the back, just not even looking, flicking his glove back and kind of backhanding it. And the nationals broadcast lost their minds. There's so many different things that equates to, to Joe Maurer, but those are, there's no top moment, but those are in that upper echelon for me. If it were basketball, you would say Joe Maurer's bucket. Like you just, you just could count on him putting an at bat together. He looks silly so, so rarely. Um, uh, I have, I have one. This is, this is very, it's a silly story. But when I was in college, I don't remember. It was early. Uh, it was young in his career. Uh, I was meeting people. It was the fall. I was meeting people for the first time as a freshman in college. And I, uh, he's one of my best friends still to this day. He was one of the best men. Whoops. He was one of the best men in my, uh, in my wedding. And we became friends around a Joe Maurer situation. I, I don't remember who they were playing. I think it was Seattle. It doesn't matter who they were playing, but I like to play cribbage. I found out he liked to play cribbage. 
So we were playing cribbage in his dorm room, and we had the twins on, and Joe Maurer was up, and uh, the whoever was on first base took off towards second. And we're like, uh-oh. And then Maurer ripped the ball through the hole. It was just like a perfectly executed hit and run with the shortstop covering. And we both probably overreacted and lost our minds. And like we reacted the same way to loving cribbage. And we, re- we reacted to the same thing happening in baseball because we liked baseball the same way. Like I'm friends with this guy still to this day, probably because Joe Maurer perfectly executed a hit and run again and four (laughs) it's just so silly and uh like i think about that i think about the catch behind the net that he made yes Uh, such an unbelievable play bramer's Uh, called great on that by the way your 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 2009 you said he hit a home run he hit i think 13 home runs that month he just went ballistic and I don't know. I'm just so happy you made it. That's it's really quite simple. It's really quite simple. He's one of my all-time favorite players to watch, and um, and he's like he's like literally the dream. Right. I wanted to play for the Twins when I was growing up, and then here was this guy. He's not that much older than me, who was he was doing it, and then his him and his wife they had freaking twins. Like that you couldn't you couldn't write it. You just couldn't write the story. Um, I think it's I think it's pretty special. So first ballot Hall of Fame catchers. Joe Maurer enters company with Johnny Bench and Ivan Rodriguez. Oh pretty, yeah, Pudge. Pretty good company for those catchers. And Joe Maurer is just there's a video of just uh, it has a guy who's just on repeat and it's Maurer hitting the ball. Whether it's him pulling it, whether it's him hitting it the other way, his swing, man. His swing was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's that guy is just a. We throw the term pure hitter around a lot. I think, uh, just generally speaking, but Joe Maurer's a pure hitter. That's just a guy who finds a way to get the bat in a good position on the baseball. That guy knows the strike zone. He knows what to do. Um, there's a story uh, told on Twitter yesterday by uh, other Hubbard employee uh, Phil Mackey, and he had a because he used to be on the Twins beat for a few years and I'm taking this right off of Twitter, but he was talking about in 2013, Araldus Chapman was coming on the scene in Cincinnati and he was throwing 105 miles an hour back before that really became commonplace in baseball. Like throwing 97 was a heater. Now throwing 97 is like eh, above average, but like um, he was able uh, against Araldus Chapman. He fell behind 0 and 2 in the count. Uh, Joe proceeded to foul off four pitches he spit on three more off the plate, so got the count low, had home run, and the Twins would end up winning the game. And afterwards, here's what Joe Maurer uh, said. Uh, somebody asked him, Joe, how were you able to work your way back in that at-bat? And he basically said he wasn't throwing his breaking ball for strikes, so he eliminated that pitch out of his hand. He said he was basically just sitting fastball. And people I was a number one overall pick as a baseball player. This guy was going Bobby, Bobby Bowden, Bobby Bowden, the coach at Florida state all time hall of fame, college head coach. He said, Joe Maurer was the greatest high school quarterback prospect he'd ever seen. He was going to go play quarterback for him. If he did twin on his entire career and be a first ballot hall of famer. All right. Well, 
we are working things back again. Having some internet issues today, but it's just a lot of fun with Joe Maurer and to get to hear some of this stuff. And we'll talk more about it. We want to have some guests. We want to be able to do some things as we go over again, this kind of mythical status that it takes on now that he's uh, into the Hall of Fame. One last thing I want to talk about on the sports desk. The Timberwolves are hosting the Washington Wizards tonight in Washington. That's a 6 p.m. tip-off. Mike Conley just added to the injury report, said he'd been dealing with a little bit of things, according to Chris Finch. Even when he sat out that game against Charlotte on Monday night, that wasn't just rest. That was a little with. So let Mike Conley take all the time he needs to get healed up, okay? This has been the morning sports desk for Tuesday, January 24th. The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and wadinaradio.com.